Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander and with me are Mike Morandi and Dave Glantz. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. Gentlemen. That's the thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Reviewed Movie Podcast and what we do is we uh, look at old or classic movies from a modern cinematic context and uh, basically see if they hold up. You can uh, review us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com. And follow us on Facebook, because we have one of those, and we are also on Stitcher. So all that good stuff. So, gentlemen, today we are talking about Who Framed Roger Rabbit, a movie that Mike was hesitant to talk about, because <laughs> apparently he doesn't like it very much. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I don't think I remember you. Shots <laughs> fired. <laughs> Did I jump the gun there? All right. But anyway, this is Robert Zemeckis' 1989 movie. Uh, that featured a combination of a cartoon world mixed with a live-action world starring Bob Hoskins. All right, so what we're going to do is basically we're going to start the show kind of talking about uh, what we knew of this movie before revisiting it and uh, what you think of it now. So, Mike, I'm going to start with you. Okay, so um, I saw this movie, I don't think when it came out in theaters, I saw it as a kid, though, like probably on TV or something. Um, Liked it a lot as a kid. Um, really affected me like, to the point where the the last scene with the steamroller in the Acme factory like scared the crap out of me. Oh, and I yeah. think I, I didn't sleep well for a couple of days after. So um, it really did affect me as a kid. I think I really got a lot out of it. Um, so I was kind of interested to see like what I would think of it now as an adult. Um, and I, I really I did like it. So I don't know. <laughs> maybe I was <laughs> maybe I'm trying to, to maybe I'm trying to cause controversy that I don't. Well, I, have I think to. it seemed very like lighthearted and silly as compared to the other ones that we had done right. previously. But um, no, I think the writing is good. I think it's brilliant at parts. Um, I think it's funny. I think it's clever. Uh, a lot of great gags and jokes. Um, my my one critique of it, I guess, would be that I don't think time has been kind to it. I think that the uh, it, it was kind of doing something new with combining live action and uh, um, animation, at, at least at the extent that it was doing it. And um, I don't think the technology was quite ready for it. Um, I think it was important that it did it at the time it did, because I think it did spark a lot of um, interest back in animation and stuff. But I think for me... Uh, maybe only because I had done compositing in the past. I'm a harsher critic of like the compositing wasn't quite there. <laughs> the eye lines weren't quite li- quite lined up. I think there's parts of the characters are kind of like sliding on the, in 3D space or flickering or jumping, you know, and that kind of like took me out of it a little bit. I think it was making me overly conscious of what they were doing. Um, that aside, I, I enjoy the plot. I, I don't know if I like the B plot of the uh, railway freeway mm. motivation of Judge Doom. I think that he could have they could have simplified it more, but. Um, I mean that's really it. I think I think it was it was a landmark, and as far as what it had done, I think it affected the animation landscape for a while. Um, overall, I liked it. I would definitely say I, I'd consider it a classic, but I don't, you know, with with certain you know uh, annotations, I guess I wouldn't say I, I I wouldn't maybe necessarily talk to all my friends about it, but I certainly appreciate what it did mm-hmm. uh, for its time. Sure. All right, Dave, you're up. What did you think of this movie back then? What do you think of this movie now? Yeah, well, I. <laughs> This movie is interesting because this is the first time I remember going to a movie and having a friend tell me that critics liked this movie. And I, <laughs> there was a theater in my neighborhood I used to walk to all the time, and I had this friend that I was walking to the movie theater with, and, and I had never heard of Siskel and Ebert, and he said, Who framed Roger Rabbit? We have to go see this movie. 
And I said, well, well, why? He's like, well, Cisco and Ebert, they gave it two thumbs up, and they never give anything <laughs> two thumbs up. And I thought, okay, well, that sounds good. It's Cartoon Rabbit. I'm 12, I was 12 years old at the time. I think it was 1988. I'm not sure. It could have been 88. 89. It was 88, yeah. 88. Okay, so two votes. What did I say? 89. So Well, it looks oh, like... Oh, man. Oh, it is 88. Oh, man. Ooh. So I think I was young enough at the time when I saw it in the theater that opening cartoon scene was probably the funniest... You know, I, I was yeah. still laughing at cartoons at, at the, when I was 12. Not that, I, well, you can still laugh at cartoons now. But, um, you know, it's just then you can't laugh at cartoons. <laughs> just went dark. The apes well, had a rough I mean, time. Yeah, well, I mean, when, you know, cartoons are, seeing things, people get hit over the head and all, this stuff, all, the, all the cartoon logic and uh, everything that happens in Warner Brothers cartoons is, you know, it was pretty hilarious to me. I, I grew up watching Bugs Bunny and, you know, definitely Disney, but more Warner Brothers. So I think this movie appealed to me back when I was you know, seeing it in the theater. And I probably saw it once or twice in the theater and then multiple times growing up. I'm sure I had it on VHS. Uh, haven't had it on DVD. It's been years since I've seen it. Um, so, my, you know, I, I'm pretty familiar with this movie. I didn't know a lot of the background. Uh, when so did you last see it? It has to have been at least a half a decade. Okay. I'd say five, six years since I've seen it last. Um, but... Uh, so my, are we talking? I'm going to say my opinion. I mean, I think it, I think it was a. Uh, it's a very good movie. I'm not sure I would make a, call it a classic. I would call it a technical classic. Um, I, I think it. I think watching it, what I was thinking was that uh, this must have paved the way uh, for a couple of things. One, uh, an animation renaissance, which I think, if yeah. you if you go from that time, you have The Little Mermaid, you have Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, uh, The Lion King, a lot of 2D animated movies, and then of course. 3D animated movies, which is is you know the, maybe the biggest part of the cinema marketplace now. Uh, so I feel like it kind of opened doors uh, in, in that respect. And also uh, uh, number two, um, it's it's like a precursor to CGI uh, being integrated into movies. Um, you know, Jurassic Park and Terminator Two, and um, you know there were movies before uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit that that would blend animation and uh, live action together, like Mary Poppins and um, that's the only one that's popping to mind right now. Poppins popping to mind. Oh man! <laughs> was uh, did I, you know this is not, it's it, it, was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Did that movie have animation in it or no? It sounds like the kind of movie that would have animation. I don't think I've ever I'm seen not, that I've movie never either. Seen that, actually, yeah. oh, that's gonna be there one. There it is. There it is. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's a classic. Um, anyway. I, uh, so I think it's a there technical a classic. There is a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang fan right now who just stormed out of the room <laughs> and turned off his iPod. Just lost another another viewer, another listener. <laughs> chitty Chitty Bang Bang! You're, you're offending a lot of people tonight, I'm just saying. <laughs> so I think it's a technical classic. I think it's a great movie. I'm not sure I'd call it a classic. I think it's a very good movie. Um, it, it's the movie that Robert Zemeckis directed right after uh, Back to the Future and before the Back to the Future sequels. So I think that... Um, you know, it's obvious that a lot of work, a lot of love went into this movie. Uh, I'm a big fan of the guy who was the the um, the director of animation, Richard Williams. He wrote a what's considered kind of the bible for animation, uh, the animator survival kit. Um, he was the director of the animation for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and uh, I think that the animation is terrific. I think at the time, looking trying to put myself back 1988, I think that um, a lot of the stuff that you were mentioning, a lot of the uh, technical uh, limitations. I think they overcame them. As, I think as much as they could. And I think people were more right. forgiving at the, and, at the time. Right. And there was, was a lot. There's yeah. so many clever things that they did. I yeah. think that this is the kind of movie that you could find. You could talk about 
probably more than 45 minutes to an hour. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of stuff in here. I liked all the connection. I liked all the film noir stuff. Um, yeah. this, I think this one takes place in the late 40s. It's not a 30s movie like I was thinking. But it still makes an interesting companion piece to right. last discussion. <laughs> right. Miller's, Miller's Crossing, Crossing right. and Road Tradition. We're, <laughs> we're moving forward in time, I guess. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of... A lot of uh, Chinatown, if Chinatown's mm-hmm. a definite classic, and, and there's a lot of elements from that movie. If you if, you, if you've seen uh, the Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. movie, um, a lot of the plots with the uh, Christopher Lloyd character, Christopher Lloyd's Judge Doom character, mm-hmm. um, a lot of that is similar to. The, I don't want to give too much away of Chinatown, but uh, of some of the uh, of some of the uh, stuff that Jack Nicholson ends up investigating right, in right, Chinatown. Right. Anyway, so. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> All right. That's a good place to stop. Um, I've never seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit before. I may have seen scenes of it, but I've never seen it all the way through. What are you, through. Mike Morandi? Come on. <laughs> I know. It's it's very odd. I guess. I don't know why. Like, I should have watched this movie as a kid, right? Well, you um, know what? I think I, I will say in your defense, when we were kids, I think what came out at 88, so I was like five. You were... <laughs> I was three. Yeah. Oh it's, so, it's kind of an adult movie for so, a kid. Like, I, I could see yeah, that. That's one thing, the other yeah. thing I should add is that it's darker than I remember. It, that's the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, this, watching this movie, now, first off, I will agree with you, Dave, I think this is a technical, like, I admire it incredibly for its technical achievements. But as a film itself, I don't know who it's really for, because I feel like it's too... Dark for kids, but not quite I, adult enough for adults. Like it's in this weird middle I, ground. I, to me, I think it's it's for people who are fans of animation. Bugs Bunny. Yeah, like growing up had seen, like you know Bugs Bunny. Daff, it's every single character, almost every <laughs> single character ever. It's a lot of these nods to certain jokes. You know, I, I think it's for people who grew up with those cartoons and liked okay. it. And it's kind of like you know because do that's you mean, how I interpret like it. Like if yeah. I were to like. Like I would watch this movie, and I, I would watch. I watched this movie, and as I was watching it, I would be like, "Oh, that's very clever." But I wasn't like, "Ha ha ha!" I'm laughing. I was like, "Oh, that was smart." Like it was almost like it was reaching me on intellectual level, but wasn't like mm. affecting me like to laugh or, or to get really involved with the story. So I was just kind of like viewing it very technically. Like I never really got that into the story because right. I think the movie kind of isn't that interesting as a mystery. Like. The as you say, as the movie goes on and on, and you know, spoiler alert or whatever, but the movie ends up devolving. <laughs> the movie ends up devolving into the fact that uh, this bad guy, Judge Doom, played by Christopher Lloyd, you know, so that's pretty cool. Love that um, guy. Love that guy. Uh, he is essentially trying to build a freeway. Is that he's trying to tear yeah, down? He, two, he's trying to get rid of Toontown so we can put in a freeway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, but you know, whatever. Well, well actually, funny enough, that actually parallels. I think something happened in reality. There was a red car company. I think. Hmm. That was bought out by a lot of like motor companies and because they, they wanted to build and they built a freeway. Yeah, it actually, so I think that is like a somewhat factual from what I understand. And yeah. even in the opening of the movie they make the joke like why would we uh why why would we you know take a cab? You know, LA's best, got yeah. LA's got the best public transportation <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. world, which is hilarious because LA has got the worst public transportation system <laughs> in the world. Um so yeah, I I didn't love this. I don't know. I feel like I mi- I feel like I missed my window. I needed to see this when I was 12 years old. But did you like it? But I don't think uh... I liked it as a technical like like if I watch it with the sound off, like that's really cool looking, mm-hmm. and I think some of the effects really hold up. Like I was really well. 
I don't know because I would love to see behind the scenes and how they did some of this stuff because yeah they, because it's on blue screen right yeah some it was it? before they did green screen this is back in the days of blue screen yeah well I mean um, yeah and, the stuff that takes place in Toontown would be green screen but so the, but the the characters integrated into it I think was they were all like hand drawn little, over the film yeah, because uh, that means an animator would literally have to roto mm-hmm. every frame of yeah. the actors and it still didn't look like. It still worked like, because they overlay the characters of the I mean, people yeah, over but, like there's depth to mm-hmm. all the scenes. Like not it's not like there's just a character sitting in front like looking at people. There's like characters and people mm-hmm. and I, yeah, the, and the there, complexity of that blows my mind. There's certain parts where they did a really good job matching lighting. Like they're coming out of like characters will step out of the shadow and like, right. It, there's a lot of points where there'll be like red light it. on the screen and then right. like on Roger's face you'll mm-hmm. see the red light and all right. that, which is really cool. Yeah. So that's pretty neat. And I, I felt like there were a couple of points where I'm like, oh, wow, I'm surprised they nailed it that well, considering the technology. There are other parts where I'm just like, ooh, ooh, they didn't, they didn't nail it there. Like, that was... I do agree with you. There are certain portions where the eye lines are just off or, like... It's just not, yeah. I mean, they, they, what I understand, they, they did some of the... Like, there's scenes where, like, a character holds up a real-world prop, and that was done either through an actor or they had, like they said, some of the props were moved around via, like, marionette with wire. Oh, so cool. I think like something like that is probably the reason why maybe some of the action doesn't quite match. Because then you have an animator that's got to kind of go along with whatever the person did in real time. If you're a really good animator, it could be mm-hmm. frustrating. Like that's not how, you, how it should look. Right. Um, but yeah, again, uh, and you look at a movie like Space Jam too, which is like I think. Oh yeah. That was '96. <laughs> so that was like eight years see, later. See, right. I saw Space Jam right when I should have seen Space Jam. And I love Space Jam. <laughs> I really I see, I've never seen it all the way through, and I, and I just, and I'm afraid like, I I'm afraid to rewatch Space Jam because I have such fond memories of it. But like, I, yeah, I, I have no particular loyalty to like. I well, I mean, it wasn't nominated for like ten Oscars, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I don't know how many yeah. Oscars. Well, wait, was so Roger Rabbit was nominated for technical achievement or beyond it got, that? It, got three. it might have been for screenplay. I don't. I actually. This Hold time, on. I look it up. Got Academy look Awards up. for sound editing, editing, and the visual effects. It became effects. the first animated film to win multiple Academy Awards since Mary, since Mary Poppins. Poppins mm-hmm. yeah. It won for Best Sound Editing, Technical, Best Visual Effects, Technical, and Best Film Editing, Technical. Nominations included Best Art Direction, also Technical, mm-hmm. and uh, Best Direction for Special Visual Effects. It was all Technical Awards. It didn't right. like... Bob right. Hoskins wasn't nominated as like Best Actor. Or, right, although he was nominated for Best Actor two years prior to this for another movie Super Mario Brothers yes Super Mario <laughs> Brothers no are you kidding I'm, me I'm no just, okay, yes, I am okay. Kidding. No, no. it was a movie called Mona Lisa and he is uh, kind of a sim- not a similar character but he's also I think he's a limo driver in that movie who's hired to and you've seen that somebody. movie I have seen that I've movie I've never yes. seen that one either Mona Lisa it's uh, directed by um, it's either Stephen Frears or Neil Jordan I can't remember Jesus but uh, yeah he was nominated for best actor that was kind of his breakthrough role in I think in America and then this kind of made him a star I mean he's you know yeah he's a pretty he's, big he's a staple he's, now right but, I mean I he's, reti- he's actually retired from acting Bob Hoskins I read that he's, uh, he's I think he has Parkinson's, Parkinson's so he's, oh, really? he's now retired I didn't yep, know that. from acting yeah, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed his performance here though I think yeah. he's really good I think yeah. he fits the tone of the movie very yeah. well it's like yeah. this over the top tone and he knows it like he knows exactly the movie he's in and he owns it too especially towards yeah. the end when he does his big climactic well he becomes a tune essentially right, right, like yeah, he becomes yeah. the cartoon the very right. thing he hates so. right. well, yeah. we should back up now and again talk about the story of this movie which we tend to skip over sometimes when okay we're yeah thanks for getting me back on track well <laughs> yeah. let, let me bring this up I didn't quite understand a couple things about this story so the major o- overarching plot is that they're setting up Roger Rabbit to be the patsy so they can um, so they can 
blame the death of the Acme person on Roger, right? Right. right. Um, because he needs to get rid of the Acme person so he can clear the way to build the freeway. Is right. that he, the, I think he's I think he's right because the Acme is, uh, is he owns Toontown. He owns Toontown and, and, and right, right, and they want to knock. They want to spray Toontown with. with but if he with, owns Toontown, mm-hmm. why does he need? Acme, like he owns Toontown, right? So what does he? Acme what? owns Toontown. If Acme is dead, oh, the okay, got and it. And then the okay. will would put that in the control of the tunes. How if they could find the will, they don't know where the will is. That's like the gotcha. major plan. They got to find the, the by the midnight will. or whatever. Right, that night. right. Okay. The the big thing I didn't understand is Bob. The main subplot of why Bob Hoskins hates tunes so much is that his brother was killed by a tune. Who turns what? out to be Judge Doom. Right. Okay, but. Why did Judge Doom drop a piano on the brother's head? Well, they were investigating him. He had he's, done, a, uh, he's a criminal. He did something. They were investigating a case that he was involved in. But did they ever in. specify what that was or it just happened? I mean, I don't know if you need to. You just know that he's, he's an unsavory character. He had done something and where... And what does Judge Doom actually look like? That that was one of the biggest disappointments. Like, why do we <laughs> never, never see to, him as a cartoon? I want you to see that. It's like uh, a major... I, I, I think <laughs> it, Christopher Lloyd is so expressive that you don't need to see... Yeah. All you need to see are those... Oh, he, they, they take his features and exaggerate him. So once he's revealed to be this like demonic cartoon, right. they just have his eyes kind of like come out like daggers, and they right. have his hair kind of goofy. They have him doing cartoon the, kind of scary bounces through the. Uh, but the, I, I just felt like they make the point to say that he has a mask on. I for, I, I agree. I feel like he's scary yeah. enough. That, oh, the like, end I, is I, Like I said, I was terrified as a kid, right? Terrifying. So they did their job there, but like. I wanted to see what he would have looked like as a tune. I wanted to see how how close of a uh, resemblance to Judge Doom's character it would have been. I think it would have been interesting, and probably it probably got cut for like technical reasons. There's a lot of things that they had to take out of the movie because of technical issues or contractual issues with properties and intellectual properties to different animation studios right. and stuff. That's so. one of the most fascinating thing about things about this movie. I think is that they were able to yeah bring get all so these many different, different like, yeah. Disney cartoons and Warner Brothers cartoons. Well, think about the logistics and, of doing that because this is the right. only time I think I've ever seen a Bugs Bugs Bunny on screen with Mickey Mouse. It was the only sure. time it happened. Yeah, and I they think. and they talk to each other and mm-hmm. communicate. And like, how, how great and, is that? And, and, Daffy and, and Donald Duck right. piano duel is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. and they had certain things on the contract. They said like if you. Like that was, I think, in a contract that they had to be equal. Um, ta- like they both had to be screen really time. good, like equal screen time and equal talent at the piano. Like neither one of them wins, right? <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and like how they both have speech impediments. Like you know, there's like and, then, and they're both they making even... fun of each other's speech right, right. I think, like that was great. the scene that I, I think that was just brilliant. It was it was so well done. Like that's the kinds of things I really like about the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Betty that. Boop in there. She's she's low, she can't get work. She's black and white, and everyone is like yeah. color now. Like things like that. I just thought were great. Yeah, I mean, exactly. There's like, so many clever things in this movie that I think it's the kind of movie that's impossible not to at least like. I can see why you wouldn't consider it a classic. But um, I think maybe nostalgia plays a part in my my feelings about. This yeah, movie. I, I do agree on it. Like, like it's just very clever. I would describe mm-hmm. the movie as clever. That's mm-hmm. how I would kind of put it in a nutshell. And it also reminded me. I don't know if you guys saw Wreck It Ralph. It yes. really brought back that down. because <laughs> a couple of reasons. One, because Wreck It Ralph combines all these intellectual properties of video game for characters. One scene. <laughs> like, but still, like, right, only for right. one scene. That's what I'd heard. Okay. I actually haven't <laughs> surprised. No, I mean, I haven't they, seen it yet. But for the most part, they're kind of sprinkled throughout. But just yeah. nowadays, that's a big endeavor. But also, right, the right. way the villain is revealed is exactly the same as that. All right, no spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Okay, but just if there's a lot of similarities there. I, okay, I would argue that almost this <laughs> future podcast. <laughs> Wreck It Ralph, classic movie. But I Ralph I, is a rabbit. That's what, <laughs> that's what we're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> but I just that kind of I found pretty interesting. And then the other thing I kind of wanted to touch base. Well, do you want to continue talking about the story? You know, the story a little bit. I mean, we, did, we it's called Who Framed Roger Rabbit. We haven't mentioned Roger Rabbit at all, really. So and, he's an original character, or no? yeah, I he, think so. Yeah, it was. So the movie is based on a novel called Who Censored Roger Rabbit by Gary K. Wolf. 
And I, th- I think that uh, there are some, di- there's a lot of differences between that um, and, and the actual movie, of course. I mean, just like any uh, adaptation would, would have differences. Um, but Roger Rabbit is, is an original property. As far as I know, and I think he maybe was in graphic novels before and and since he's been in graphic novels version. There have been some Roger Rabbit short films, um, but uh, Bob Hoskins plays Eddie Valiant. He's kind of this classic noir detective. Something bad happened to him. You don't know why. He drinks a lot. Uh, he <laughs> hangs out in bars a lot. He knows the bartender. She says, "Wise, she's a wisecracking, you know, dame." Dame, and, you know, and uh, and and uh, Roger Rabbit is kind of this classic. Uh, if he wasn't a rabbit, he would also be kind of a classic noir character. He's like um, almost like Bernie in Miller's Crossing in a way. Yeah, there, um, that's you're saying he's gay. Is that what you're yeah, saying? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I mean, no, no, he's clearly not gay. And that wife? brings us to Jessica Rabbit, <laughs> <laughs> who's the femme fatale. Who is the femme fatale? Right. Movie. Yeah. Who's, who's meant to look like Veronica Lake, or and a lot? You know, if, if you were, or if you go forward in time, maybe Kim Basinger and Ellie Confidential. I mean, those kinds of uh, characters. And uh, so he's married to Jessica Rabbit, and you know, and then there's a lot of plot in this movie. And, and there I, is think that, I think that that really doesn't. I think the point of the movie isn't about the story of the movie. I think the point of the movie is about um, the redemption of this guy. You know, who I mean, you right. know, and, and it's about. It's a movie about movies. It's a movie about cartoons. It's a movie about, you know, movie history and um, that kind of stuff. So I think the plot kind of takes a back seat. Although, you know, I do think we should talk a little bit about the dialogue. I mean, I think there's a lot of, I think the story isn't great, I think, but there are some some pretty clever uh, lines throughout this movie. Yeah, I, I would say I think the story could have been tightened up. I think I, I think I said earlier the whole like subplot of the freeway thing. Like right. I like that it was a real event, you know. But I don't think we needed it. I think the story it would be better focused on Eddie Valley. One thing I didn't like is that they reveal why he hates tunes so much. Like within the first like what fifteen minutes of the movie, they say like, and it's "What's his problem?" They right. go, "Oh, a tune killed his brother." And you're I like, agree oh, completely. Come on. <laughs> and it's done. It's done in such an inorganic way. It's yeah, done yeah. by an. Uh, it's done by the bartender character. What's her name? Jeez, I can't remember. Dolores. Dolores. Dolores yeah. It's done by Dolores after he's left the room, and it just feels so expositioning. Yeah. Especially when, like, like a little bit later, they have that really awesome tra- uh, like the montage thing montage where he's thing drunk. Where yeah. It's passing through the room over yeah. newspaper mm-hmm. articles, and it kind of comes sure. to rest. And now he's like, I thought that was a great, which uh, reminded me yeah. a little bit of the opening of Back to the Future, actually, where they it starts oh, good, off with good point. That's actually <laughs> you know? almost mm. it's a, it's the same like the same movement of camera yeah. and stuff. That's interesting. Zemeckis is an extremely skilled filmmaker I mean he's you know even even today I mean I'm not I haven't been a huge fan of his, his motion capture stuff most did you of like stuff. Flight? I thought Flight was okay I never saw it but. okay Flight was okay I mean it was a great performance by Denzel Washington he does Robert Zemeckis is um, he's kind of a Spielberg protege you know in the 80s he was he, I don't want to say he worked for with Spielberg but a lot of his movies feel like um, something Steven Spielberg would well he was usually involved in like Back yeah. to the Future yeah. And I'm not sure if he was, I forget if he was involved in Who Framed Roger Rabbit at all, but it feels like the kind of movie that he could have directed. I mean, who directed this? Spielberg? Zemeckis. It was Robert Zemeckis, who ended up making uh, all the Back to the Future movies, uh, Forrest Gump, um, which I was a fan of when it came out. That's... I'm you don't like Forrest Gump now? Forrest Gump's think, still a good movie. I think it's a good movie. Don't be a snob, Dave. No, I'm not going to be a snob <laughs> about Forrest Gump. I think Forrest Gump is a good movie, but I, you know, it's it, it, it's one of those movies that won Best Picture and, and people look back on it. Well, and that say, was oh, the year that Shawshank Redemption and Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction came. Right, I mean, that was a right. really good year for movies in general. Right, right. So, no, Forrest Gump, I'm okay with, but it's it's not. It, it has some problems. I would say. So, Back to the Future is your go-to Zemeckis. Back to the Future is definitely my my go-to Robert Zemeckis movie. I did like. Um, 
He, uh, he made a movie called Death Becomes Her with Bruce Willis. Never Meryl seen Streep. it. It's a, it was another uh, special. He's been kind of on the forefront of um, technical uh, achievements and special effects. I mean, even Forrest Gump was kind of this, a, a lot of it, with the integration of old footage and, and, and Forrest Gump. Almost every one of his movies has done something, something with, with you know, special effects right. in a new way. Like, right. he's the one that, um, even though you don't like performance capture, he's mm-hmm. the one that kind of uh, sparked that entire movement. Like, that Polar was his. Polar Express, right? He did Polar Express, mm-hmm. and he did Beowulf, I believe, yeah. and um, A Christmas Carol with Jim yeah. Carrey. Yeah. And um, so he's really pushed down, like, uh, special effects and visual effects and how it integrates with. Like people, which mm-hmm. is pretty interesting, and this right. movie totally fits in with that. Oh yeah. Um, well, um, what were we talking about? We, we, we were going to talk a little bit about. I mean, <laughs> I, I wanted to just point out that some of the line. I mean, I guess watching this movie growing up, a lot of the stuff just kind of flew over my head. And it, and and when I go back and watch it now, you know, I, I catch a lot of things like um, there's a, there's a there's a scene where he's in RK Maroon's office and Bob Hoskins, or he says, "So what do you know about show business?" And Bob Hoskins like. Only that it's like no, only that there's no business like it. No business I know. And it's like the way they deliver these kind of lines in the movie. They have to keep such straight faces, and yep. you know, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I feel like, like they do a good job. And in that part where you're talking about where they reveal that a, a tune killed his brother, yeah, they reveal it early, but they do it in a clever way. I mean, no, I, I, they I love, didn't. I mean, I love. Well, I mean, not okay. They don't do it in a clever way, but the the dialogue, a tune killed his brother. Dropped a piano on his head. I yeah, mean, see, the way his brother dies is clear. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. you know yes. because the punchline it, is funny. The right. reveal isn't. But, okay. Okay. but the, right. the concept, like yeah, the fact that they killed a guy with a piano on the head, like things right. like that, is is right. Scotch um, on the rocks. I was just going to say nice. that. And I mean nice. And he gets rocks later on. It's it's that cartoon logic that shows up in it's the way they integrated into the film noir stuff. I think is clever. You know. Yeah, I I mean I will totally agree that the movie like knocks all the little in jokes out of the park and even just the way it messes with dialogue and I would in looking at this as a noir movie if we're just looking at it with beyond the technical aspects of it it kind of fits the total noir mode. Like, have you seen like the Maltese Falcon? And um, I've actually never seen it all the way through. I oh, need to go back and see yeah. the Maltese Falcon. Well, the Maltese Falcon is similar in the sense that the plot is complex, but it doesn't really ma- like that's not the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's all a MacGuffin to get the Maltese Falcon. And similar to this movie, I would argue that the back and forth about who's really framing who and all that isn't really that important. It's Bob Hoskins' redemption as a character. Of course, and, I mean that's any yeah. So yeah. I mean. That I'm totally cool with. No, I, w- I wanted to talk real quickly about how freaking scary some parts of this movie oh, are. Oh, sure. Yeah, please. <laughs> the the execution of the shoe. Oh, oh God. That's, yeah. That's, my wife is, uh, and when I told her we were reviewing this movie, she said, that movie was terrifying when I was a kid. And I yeah. said, why? She mentioned the shoe scene. That yep. scene, like, I was disturbed by it and... I'm almost 30 years old. So like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's so, such a happy little shoe. So yeah. I can imagine like as a 10 year old, like seeing that and like being like, as a kid, I would watch, um, um, uh, Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. And I'd always oh, have God. to fast forward through the, the boat scene mm. because like, I, I yeah. love the movie except for that scene. And I feel like the shoe scene is like equivalent to that. Like I could not watch this as a 10 year old. I don't know. Mm. It's just, it's just so sad. It's just mm. a shoe. Yeah. So. But it's such a small moment in the movie and they kind of just like, like, no one gonna, stops to help do? this. Yeah, what's he going to yeah. do with that little cute shoe? What, <laughs> yeah. what, what, the dip? What's this, what's this dip? Oh, what? He doesn't seem to like the dip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was pretty scary. And the steamroller scene at the end. Oh, yeah, God. That's, uh, also terrifying. It's yeah. like that whole sequence. First, it's like he gets run, you see him getting run over by a steamroller. Then he mm-hmm. inflates. He comes up all mm-hmm. flat and he inflates himself. Mm-hmm. And the eyes go crazy. And everything, it's just from that point. I, I did notice I was thinking about that that scene when it was happening and, and how they, they didn't show, they made it. 
cartoony just enough so that it wasn't going to be too scary. I mean, well, he I, starts screaming. It's his reaction, I think, that right, makes it really right. scary. You yeah, know? well, it's funny because like now I'm looking back. I'm like, well, how did this scare When he gets up and he's flat, it's like comical. I'm like, that looks so, it looks terrible. Right. Like, how yeah. did you? But as a kid, like, it, that was, that disturbed me in a very deep level. So, I guess like, there's something about getting, this helpless feeling about getting crushed. I remember yeah. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. There's a scene where Indiana yeah, Jones is fighting I know the scene you're talking about. I know exactly And there's a similar scene. kind of steamroller thing. Like, what are they doing with all these steamrollers? <laughs> All they're big movies, in the 80s. They're, you know, it's like well, they're crushing, they're just crushing rocks for no reason in Indiana Jones. <laughs> it's on a conveyor belt. And then, of course, there's this great fight scene. I would argue that, like, the 80s was just like kids' movies in the 80s. They all had this little dark tint to it that mm-hmm. I don't think exists in the same way anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, think about this movie, think about Goonies, think mm-hmm. about. Um, E.T. 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 Mm-hmm. The end of E.T. is sure. terrifying. Like. Yeah, when he's uh, all white and. Yeah, and, 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 before, yeah. But, like, that kind of thing. And. This was PG thirteen invented at this time. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was actually the one the movie that got PG thirteen. But when did that come out? Do you know that was eighty two or eighty three? Oh, so it was out. So how did this not get a PG thirteen rating? You well, know, because it was cartoon It's cartoon violence, not violence. And then he, you know, and, and, and at the steamroller scene at the end when he gets up. I mean, I was I actually wrote down that that was kind of actually interesting because it doesn't look like it's a cartoon for a lot of. The stuff that's happening—it's like some kind of puppet. Where Chris it, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, comes back up and his hands are kind of floppy and they reinflate mm-hmm. and his head obviously is a mask and that reinflates, but it's not a. So let's cartoon. okay. So dropping the—I'm uh, still trying to vote this. I'm still trying to. Um, so why is the con- shoe thing? So no, I'm still trying to convince people that this movie should be PG-13. Jessica Rabbit, ladies okay. and gentlemen, sure. <laughs> that alone should get the movie a PG-13 rating, right? And actually, yeah. did you hear? So when it came out on laser disc, laser disc, apparently there was a. Uh, Good. Did you want to? No, no, no. Go ahead. No, it was fun fact. Something I, 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 I was when I was just reading about it. They said that there was the quality of the frame was a lot better than when it was on, I guess, VHS or in the movie theater or whatever. Oh, sure. And if you went through, I don't know what scene it was, frame by frame. Apparently, you can see like there's a brief bit of nudity from Jessica Rabbit. And <laughs> when the news broke, apparently all the laser discs got <laughs> sold out. Like the CEO was in hot water over it. <laughs> um, it. Yeah. So basically, yeah. America is very perverted. Is what we're <laughs> yeah. saying. Surprise! Yeah, she didn't has, know that before. She has the one really classic line I think from this movie where she says, "I'm not bad. I'm, I'm just drawn, drawn that, that way." way. Yeah, that's, that's a very. But like, line. just the way, like, I'm surprised they went as far as they did with her sexuality on screen because it's pretty. I mean, it's mm-hmm. definitely out there. It's not like. Oh, yeah. Um, the patty cake. I mean, but then again, you find I mean, they actually you were literally hear, playing. You only hear what's going on with the patty cake scene if they don't if they don't follow that gag up with the pictures of them actually playing, playing patty cake, which apparently like in cartoon mm-hmm. universes is a pretty serious offense. You're playing patty cake because he loses his mind when no, he sees the photos. See, you see pictures of them playing patty cake. That's right? what I'm saying. Oh, like, okay. So ended up that's even though you would think, oh well, they were just playing patty cake. Right. Like Roger Rabbit is heartbroken over that, and he like maybe that's. Equivalent cartoons of something. Do. That's how cartoons mate. <laughs> that's how. That's how cartoon babies are made. Yeah. What about Roger Rabbit? Did you find him annoying at all? Yes. Yeah. I did too. Like, and it started to grate on me towards the end of the movie. Like, I know he's a cartoon character, but I feel like that kind of character works in like a, a four minute short. Mm-hmm. But extended throughout the whole movie, I was getting he's really annoyed grating, with Roger yeah. Rabbit. His voice. Yeah. And. I don't know. Like I just didn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I will like, say, you know what? I, th- I thought the weasels were fantastic. Yeah. Oh, they were good. especially the psycho one and the straight jack and the razors. Yeah. I think he, the character design on them were fantastic. I, th- I, I, I wish they had more of a use for them in there. I feel like they kind of got underused. I also under... feel like their death was a little bit too too easy. easy. Oh well, too mm-hmm. yeah, way too easy. But well, I mean, I, I did like the way that was set up at the beginning of the movie. It's like, stop laughing. You'll laugh yourself to death. You're going to die laughing. See, the thing is, conceptual. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. Like the idea that they literally laugh to death, mm-hmm. but. 
I don't know. Like just yeah, but I, I think at that point there's so many other things going on that like I think they had to be disposed of in a quick way because you had everything with you couldn't put too much time to that. Actually, Judge Doom that had to get there's a, right. well, and a lot happens in that climax. You find out the fact that he wants to they they reveal the freeway subplot only at the end. Like it is yeah. like there's nothing else really leading up to it. So you you have to kill the weasels. You have to kill Doom. You have to find out that Doom killed. Bob brother, Hoss's brother. You right. have to find out that Doom is also a cartoon <laughs> and that he's plotting to build a freeway in L.A. Like, yeah. Which is why I say that's in that factory thing. at the end. There's yeah. a lot. I think there's almost too much going on in that scene. But You know what? I, I really I want to talk about Toontown. I thought that was fantastic. I love yeah, Toontown. Hoskins, that was definitely one of the best parts of the yeah, movie. It is, yeah, 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 it's like this paradise. And in fact, you know what it reminded me a lot of? And I think they nodded to it a little bit. Ever see uh, Puff the Magic Dragon? Yes. That's there, also a cartoon. That's another live action yeah, cartoon. And, I, and I, he wasn't in it, but they had a character that looked like him in that whole sequence. But like his home world of like um, Hanali looked very. It's very. Like, you know what? I think there might be Puff the Magic no, Dragon no, no, in thinking, the movie. You're thinking. You're thinking. We're thinking of, of Pete. There's you're a, thinking of Pete's dragon. Pete's no, dragon. I'm, no, I'm thinking of Puff the Magic Dragon. I'm thinking of Pete's I'm dragon. I'm thinking of Pete's dragon, too. So that's the one, that's the one where the dragon is a cartoon integrated yes. into a live action. Pete's dragon would have been Puff Paul. the Magic Dragon I'm is just, a Peter, Paul, and Mary song. <laughs> well, that is exactly. marijuana. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, his, I just, I, that, 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 like, paradise, like, whimsical, everyone, everything is alive and singing, like, mm-hmm. I, I just liked seeing it. Visually, I thought it was great. I thought it was no, well animated. it's extremely animated. creative. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's like, a, they have to take this, they have to change the logic of the movie in, mm-hmm. in, in that, uh, you know, where Bob Hoskins is, is at, the, at the top of some building and he walks out and he doesn't know that there's no, you know, uh, ground right, beneath him right. or whatever, you know, there's a lot of stuff in Toontown where it's just, the things that happen in, in Hollywood rules, don't yeah. happen the same as they do in Toontown. And it, they apply to people as well as tunes. So I, I thought that was kind of clever. You know, he's falling from the building and it's like the fall never ends. You know, it mm-hmm. just keeps very going and going Very cartoonish, yeah. All right. Very, oh, cartoonish. Good word. There you go. I'm very, very good. I'm very, very good at this. So, uh, Dave, are you going to show this movie to your daughter when she's like eight? Nine? When do you show her? Twenty-one. I don't know. When? I mean, I mean, I think, I think there's some. Um, or uh, how about this? Are you even gonna like? Is this a movie that you're gonna be like? Oh, you gotta watch this. Or no? I think, I think, yeah. Actually, now that you know, especially now that you've challenged me, I think that I, my, do- my daughter. <laughs> so you really want to? See... Me- you really want to mess her up? Like, how early do you really want to scar her? Like, <laughs> well, seven, okay. So six? I was twelve. So I mean, if you think this is a PG thirteen movie, so maybe, maybe you need to be a little. Uh, I would say eight or older. Do you think a kid? Do you think a, on the kid. Do you think a kid nowadays is going to get because all no. the, a lot of the cartoon references? I, I feel so. like are totally out of the zeitgeist. No, and, and I think you look at you look at like kids' cartoons nowadays. They are so manic and fast paced. This is like molasses compared to it. You know, like, like there's no way you can hold the attention of a kid. Yeah. Who Yosemite Sam is? Right. Yeah, all the in jokes going to be lost, and well, it's going to just be yeah. Is it? Am I wrong, or do they have they actually rebooted Looney Tunes on I don't Cartoon know. Network at all? I don't know. I, I thought they did. I think they did. I okay. think they did yeah but even still that you're right it's not going to be the same thing Wreck-It so Ralph is kind of the the new version yeah of, or you think of like Spongebob Squarepants which is just like a half hour of insanity right. which you know for, this not, is the but, kind of movie that you wouldn't you couldn't make anymore I mean because yeah. you, you mean there's there just be no reason to I mean the, the characters aren't going to be as familiar there's no reason to have the, you'd be making it for film nerds is right. what you'd be making which I think it was kind of probably made for in the first maybe, maybe not in a way no. No, I, I mean, mean cartoons it, were pretty. Po- I mean, I mean, well, it killed at the box did, office. But I think three, oh, yeah. three twenty-five million. Yeah. So that's the thing. So, like, yeah. I don't think this movie would be nearly as successful mm-hmm. nowadays. And no. I, you know, it's funny. I don't remember. See, I never saw the movie, but I remember how crazy this was cross-promoted. Like, I remember like 
I, I remember, you know, going to the Disney theme parks as like a kid, like a five or six year old. I remember Roger Rabbit was everywhere. Like the character yeah. would be walking around. In fact, they had Toontown. There's a ride that you. I remember. Go on. I went to uh, uh, Honey I Shrunk the Kids in the theaters, and they had a, cart- a Roger Rabbit cartoon before that movie. And I think mm-hmm. this is actually that was after. I think that was after Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Oh, was speaking of other years. speaking of other dark children's movies, Honey I Shrunk the Kids, I think is a pretty dark. Oh, 80s. so good! Such a good one of my all time favorites. I don't know if I like it very much. We may have. To <laughs> oh, I love one. it. That's that great. That might have been a good review. That's a movie that I probably only saw once or twice and just kind oh, of forgot about. Oh, I do. Oh, I love it. I've seen it so many times. Yeah. Oh, this, that could be a good conversation. Then. Yeah. I do love Rick Moranis. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who has also retired for different yeah. reasons yeah. <laughs> to raise his family which is pretty admirable yeah um, became a country singer he did did he really <laughs> yeah not a, no oh, joke oh my god we need to get a clip of that for the next time yeah. so um yeah I just don't, I don't know I, I, I I'm very curious I wish we had like a 13 year old on on this episode with us don't, <laughs> don't you, we Ivan well <laughs> yes emotionally I am 13 but don't, well, don't wouldn't you be curious to see if they'd like this movie or no I mean I feel like I already know the answer I don't think I don't well, I, I'm going to yeah. go ahead and disagree with you. I think that, okay. I, I, I would say that yes, it, it depends. It depends on the kid and when you show them. I think that you know what I'm seeing now in my daughter, who's only 11 months old, but she's already starting to look at Sesame Street, and I see her seeing. She's looking at Big Bird. She's looking at Snuffleupagus. She, she wants to know. Mo- she wants to know their motivation. And she, yes, yeah, she, yeah. yes. And she said, <laughs> "When are we going to do a podcast about Sesame Street, Dad?" The kid's very. <laughs> <laughs> and she, I mean, she. Re- you can see. I, I think kids react. Uh, from what I'm seeing, she's just reacting to um, what she's seeing. She doesn't have any any context to to compare it to. So I think if you were to show Roger Rabbit to to a kid today, it would depend on what they've seen already, what you've exposed them to. Um, again, I have yet to get into these. You know, I, I know I know some of the cartoons that are on now. I don't know all of them. Um, Feels like one but, giant coke trip for him. But I mean, it's you like, know, ever so often I see clips on YouTube of, of, of people my age showing their kids Star Wars, for instance. So they'll mm-hmm. show Empire Strikes Back, where the big reveal happens at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And you get to see the kids' reactions, and they seem pretty wrapped up in it. So yeah. I would think that it is possible, probably, it is possible to show this kind of movie to a kid and have them get wrapped up in the story, not knowing who all these characters are. You know. So you're uh, basically saying that cinema is timeless. Like it doesn't necessarily. Yeah. I, I'm I saying cinema, cinema's timeless. Yes. The thing about <laughs> very profound. Well, First thing, man to say that, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how well the effectiveness of this movie is dependent on pop culture as a whole, like whether or not you get it or not. So I, I would, I would say, I think because in ten of years, the, Dave, in ten years, we're mm. going to redo this podcast yes. with your daughter, re-reviewed, and see <laughs> if she uh, connects with it. Because I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I, I think, can see both sides of that argument. I, I think a movie more like Space Jam would be more. I, I think that's going to be but more Michael effective. Jo- okay, Argue, arguing with you Counter, now, though. But that, okay, that, that movie is basically a commercial. This movie doesn't feel like it was made for money. This movie feels like that's a, a labor point. of love. That's a good point. To me. Right, I mean, but, that, but again, I, don't, I, I think because of the noir setting, I think I, I don't think that's going to, it would be as marketable to kids now, where I feel like Space Jam is more about what? like the, the Looney Tunes. Marketable is one thing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get well, back right, to Space but. Jam. See, Michael Jordan was like the guy when we were growing yeah. up, right? Like, yeah. everyone, even I had a poster of Michael. Everyone Jordan. <laughs> loved my, Michael Jordan. Like, I didn't kids watch don't. Basketball. If you ask a ten-year-old who Michael Jordan is now, they may not know. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. They'll know the shoe, but they won't know the guy. Mm. So, I don't know. Yeah. 
Space Jam is dependent mm. on Michael Jordan's possibility and R. Kelly's ability to sing. I believe. I <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's yeah, true. no, no. I mean, there was there were no there were no crazy <laughs> there were no weird pop songs in this movie. I mean, I, I feel for me. I mean, for me, that's part of the reason why it doesn't feel like it. it it's not doesn't feel too dated. I mean, it feels dated, but there's nothing about it that makes you know. There's no. You know, it doesn't end with like a like a crappy uh, pop song or something. Well, and also know? to agree with you, I mean, the time period the time good. period it takes place, the aesthetic is timeless because mm-hmm. it's already was a period piece or right. yeah, a true. genre piece when it was being made. Right. So it's like if you make a noir now, it's still a noir mm-hmm. film, which this yeah. is. So I don't know. It's <laughs> an interesting perspective. I think I'm really glad I finally saw the movie. I don't know if I really connected it connected with it the way I wanted to. I think that mm-hmm. if I was a 12 year old, I would like it a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah, like I said, like I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't love it. I liked it, and I appreciate what it did. I think what it was doing for it at the time, and I think what it did for animation as a whole. I think. Yeah, as a technical achievement, obviously, yeah. it's pretty damn good. So, does it, do you want? So, do you so want I guess I'm going to go on record as being the one who liked it the most out of the three of us. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, mean, I think so because I'm kind of lukewarm on it. Yeah. I didn't love it, and I know that there. I know that this movie has a huge following. Mm-hmm. Like, I know mm-hmm. that this movie yeah, right. has affected a lot of people. Right, and we should say. I mean, I, I should say that I don't think this is the kind of movie that you're going to see multiple times and get more out of it, like Miller's Crossing. For right, instance. I think yeah. Miller's Crossing is the kind of movie that you're going to see. There's a more, level more. Of, there's a level of difference in complexity. Yes, I will <laughs> yeah, agree. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a summer popcorn entertainment kind of movie. You can see. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's when it came out. It's uh, that's the kind of movie it is. And I think, as far as '80s summer popcorn movies go, I mean, this is you know a pretty uh, pretty solid one. Sounds good. So, any final thoughts on Roger Rabbit before we close it out today? I think we're good. I think, yeah, I think I'm, I'm set. <laughs> okay, yeah. so we, what's our next movie going to be? I think we decide it's going to be uh, Talented, Mr. Talented Mr. Ripley. Right, naturally. You watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Talented Mr. Not, Ripley's it's, next. It's just, yeah, it's transition. <laughs> I'm really. trying to keep it varied and eclectic here on the movie choice. <laughs> we have any other suggestions? We could, we could hash this out right now. No, I think Talented Mr. Ripley is, is, is a good we'll choice. We'll go light next time. We'll, we'll alternate light and dark throughout like the end. And, you know, we are moving forward in time. I'm pretty sure uh, Ripley takes place... 50s or 60s. When was that movie made? Like, when did it come out? That was late 90s or early 2000s. I okay, late 90s. See, that's a movie I saw in the theaters. I remember nothing about it other mm. than it has Matt Damon in it. Matt that's Damon. all I got. I know okay. nothing about this movie. Jude Law is in it and Matt Damon's in it. And when was the last time you it. saw that movie? Uh, I don't know, six, seven. I mean, it's been a decade maybe. I don't okay. know. All right, so that'll be, that'll be a good one. Mm-hmm. For this is, this, is this streaming on Netflix or is yes, this? It is streaming for so anybody for out there that wants to watch with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Got some homework along. to do before next week. Two yeah. weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and follow along. So before we close out, I just wanted to uh, tell us where you can find us. I'm going to re-up the show. So we can you can find us on reviewedpodcast.com. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash Reviewed podcast and uh, gentlemen, what are your twitters so people can follow you? My Twitter is at Mike Mirandi, M I K E M I R A N D I, and my website is the same, MikeMirandi.com. And you can find me on Twitter uh, at Dave Glanz, D A V E G L A N Z, and Dave Glanz Productions.com. And Dave Glanz is already taken. <laughs> Dave Glanz.com. Dave Glanz the look. Dave Pituitary Glanz. Yes, Dave Sweat Glanz. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't all go there. All kinds of things you could say. Cool. <laughs> and um, I uh, am at Ivan Kander on Twitter. You can find some of my writing on shortoftheweek.com. And my website is Lucky9Studios. That's Lucky, the number nine, studios.com. So I think that is it for us. Until then, we will see you guys next time. Badia, badia, badia. That's all, folks. Oh, God. God.
in a deep voice. Hello. Contest. So, uh, <clears throat> hey. Hey, coming at you. This hey, is girl, there's a looking? mattress on the road coming down the 95 <laughs> turnpike. What is that? It's my impersonation of a bad morning disc jockey. Um. This is Big Hank and the Cheese coming at you. <laughs> You're listening to the radio. All right. 